I'm just going to read a couple of uh, scriptures here, and I'm going to read from Hebrews, the second chapter. And I'm going to read from the first verse, and I'm going to read those first 12 verses there. Then I'm going to go to Hebrews, the fifth chapter. Now, in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1, where it says, therefore, if you want to know what word, when it's saying, therefore, go back and read Hebrews, the first chapter, 1 through 13. So, when it says here in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1, therefore, we, who's the we? All of us in Christ. All of us here locally. Therefore, we ought, right? See how it says ought. Because we don't know ought or what we should do until we receive the mind of Christ, right? So therefore we, local assembly, very personal, ought to give the more earnest heed. Does that have to do with our will being submitted to the things which we have heard? So in other words, I'm going to give my will over to God right now based upon the fact of practice of giving my will over to him to even bring me to this place so I can live in the art and that has to do with taking heed very seriously to the things which we have heard because at any time what time any time if at any time we should what let them slip right at any time what can happen we what let them Slip. That speaks of a walk, doesn't it? Uh -huh. We have to be careful how we walk because it's so easy to slip. So the therefore, therefore we ought to give more earnest heed to the things which we have heard. What have we heard? Here's Hebrews, the first chapter. Look at Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. God, who at many different times and places and many different ways spoke to us, spoke in time past, Unto the fathers by the prophets. That's the Old Testament, Old Covenants. Okay? In this particular context. Not in the context in, he in, in Ephesians 4.11. We need to know the difference of where it says in the scriptures even prophets. Okay? Because when it says he gave some, uh, um, some apostles and prophets, evangelists and pastors and teachers in Ephesians the 4th chapter and the 11th verse, the prophets there are New Testament. New Covenant apostles. And prophets, okay? Especially prophets. But here it's saying all this word in the past, all that, that's ours, isn't it? Isn't this whole book ours? Yeah? Not just the Pauline epistles, not just hyper dispensationalism, the whole Bible, huh? Eh? God, who, and all these different times, by the fathers, spiritual fathers, by the prophets, Old Covenant, has in these last days. What days are we in? If they will last, when whoever it was, and I believe through the, tr the truth of the matter is, the only one that could have written this is, would be the Paul the Apostle. Because if he understood Hebrewism and covenant uh, legalism, he did. And we can tell by he, how he ended every single one of his letters. It's great. It has something to do with grace, peace, and mercy that's in Christ. That's how he signs every one of them. Has in these last days spoken unto us by what? His son. Who is his son in John 1 verse 1? He's the word. Right? 
he's the word, whom he appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, plural. (laughs) Plural, we went into that before. When we consider what stars are, our sun, which is a which is a star, is a dwarf star. Did you know? Did you know that? Our sun is a star. And it's one of the smallest ones. There's some stars or suns thousands of times bigger. <laughs> so we know that that's what there are. And can we count the stars? No. And each star, which is the sun, has its planets revolving around it. Never mind, can't count the stars. God, have you ever seen some of these Hubble pictures and everything? Oh. <laughs> oh God. Then you'll see like this, a, a galaxy floating somewhere there. Oh, oh boy. That's who made everything that we see is a, our Savior. In his pre-incarnate state, he created it all. Boy, he must really love us. God must really love us for his son to put on humanity and to identify with us. He made the worlds, who being the very brightness of his glory, the effulgence, the full glorified manifestation, and the express, the exact image of his person, and he upholds all things by the word of his power. I don't know. What's, the word, what's this earth, this little dust ball, tilted on its five-degree axis, just far enough away from the sun, we don't get crispy, far enough away we don't freeze to death, and it's held there. What holds it there? Here, this is what it's saying. He not only created it and framed it in Hebrews 11.3, he holds it together, eh? upholding all things by the word of his what? His power. How powerful is the word that God is through Christ that he speaks? How powerful is what we come to hear this morning? Is it just a book? Is there power in it? By, by, he, by his power. In other words, everything that that is in all creation, he created every bit of it. That's John chapter 1, verse 3. Colossians 1, verse 16. He created it, and listen, he holds it in its proper place, and thus it functions exactly the way that he designed it to do so. And by the way, we are the height of his creation in Ephesians 2.10. What must we be like when we function in our proper place? And his little star, shining, reflecting his glory, And how that becomes attractive to other people around us when it's him. Very interesting. And again, all these suns and all these particular stars that are suns, they have their planets revolving around them. You you and I may not see them. (laughs) It's very interesting when we consider it. And when we consider the creation, how about this? This is what this is saying here. And we need to understand all of us this morning, this full understanding of what we have here and what has been made available to us based upon who Christ is. And it's being made available to us this morning because we were available to come. Otherwise, would we know it? It's one thing to hear it online. Yes, and if you can't, that's perfect. Okay, But ain't nothing like hearing it. 
There's nothing like hearing it face to face. Nothing replaces that because then there's something that each joint that's there, even in them listening, is a joint that supplies, even in the fact that they're giving their attention to Christ, is an incredible thing that ministers to all of us. And we may not even be aware of that, but that's a fact. It's an absolute fact. Psalm 8, verse 1, in connection with Hebrews chapter 1, 1 through 4, and then in Hebrews, the fifth chapter, which we haven't gotten to yet. But this is Psalm 8, and when we talk about creation, remember, he created everything. He spoke it into existence. Okay? There are two Hebrew words for creation. Creation, creation. Nothing was created until it was spoken into being. (laughs) In other words, it didn't exist before until he spoke it into creation. That's the Bible. The Word of God. Here's Psalm 8, verse 1. O O Lord, our Lord. Oh, wow. How excellent is your name. And a name speaks of the manifestation of a nature. What is this nature like? Your nature, your name through your nature in all the earth who has set your glory above the heavens. So just keep going north. Go ahead. Just keep going north. Tell me when you stop out there. Go south. Go east or go west. But north. Go north and and just tell me when you stop. His glory is above the heavens. In other words, his glory is above everything that we can see as far as we can see, and yet it's still that much and far above. No wonder it says in Ephesians 3.19, to know the love of Christ that passes knowledge. Oh boy. Verse 2, out of the mouth of babes and sucklings you have ordained strength because of your enemies that you might still the enemy and the avenger. Out of the mouth of babes. Tell me, in what way? Even though in a local assembly in 1 John 2, 14 to 15, there are babes, young men, and spiritual fathers. Are we all still his children? In one sense, do we know anything like we ought? We just read that, didn't we? 1 Corinthians 8, 1 through 3. But none of us know anything as we ought. Okay, none of us, right? We don't know it, right? So out of the mouth of babes and sucklings who have ordained or set or ordered strength because of your enemies, that you might still the enemy and the avenger. Do you ever think when you're in your struggles and you're going through things that it's just about you? Do you ever think there might be an angelic conflict that God is dealing with the angels, and you're in the midst, and he's in the midst of you, and he's dealing with it? That's what 1 Peter 1 verse 12 goes into. The angels bend low, and they look into the things of God and learn things about their creator that they wouldn't know otherwise. That's why we, you and I, you think, however we behave, whatever we act like, we are the university for angels. Yes, we are. We are. Verse 3, when I consider the heavens, oh, geez, well, we considered it a little bit this morning, didn't we? Whoa. When I consider the heavens, the work of your fingers, listen, it didn't just happen. It didn't just evolve. 
Because if I believe evolution, then these things run, uh, all of a sudden they're banging against each other and over a process of time they start appearing in that perfect order. Then I'm going to tell you what, if I want a new truck, I'm going to take a tire, a, a light, and maybe a few other parts, and I'm going to put it in my dryer and let that thing spin because out of that's going to come a truck sooner or later. The nonsense of that. And to think that we're in control of ourselves in any way. And outside of God's order, even in the function of the local assembly, that I have some counsel. Ooh. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Not happening. When I consider the heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon, and plural, here it is, the stars. Mm. Which you have ordained. You know what that means? He created them, and guess what? He framed them, Hebrews 11.3, and set them in their place. And that's why they function just exactly the way that they are designed because they, you know, instantly obey. Did you ever see, you know, would the tide, would the ocean go out without the moon? Why did he set the moon? Well, so the ocean behaves a certain way. Oh, if only we could do a spoken word. Only if I could which you have ordained and set. Now, in light of all of that, in light of all God's creation, oh, God, oh my, what is man that you're mindful of him, that your mind is set on him? And the son of man that you visit him. I mean, what do you get out of it, God? For you has made him a little lower than the angels. Right? They're invisible. They can fly. <laughs> Luke 10, verse 18. When they say even Satan, when he fell from heaven, it was like lightning. You see how fast that happens and the distance that it travels? Angels, right? You made him a little lower than the angels. And has crowned him, man, with glory and honor. He crowned man with glory and honor. Oh, did he ever do that outside of Christ? No. You made him to have dominion over the works of your hands, and that's why that's the garden. But did he lose that? When will the, when will the dominion come back to the earth? Does he have dominion in me now as the church? When will he come back and have it on the earth? Millennial reign. And has put all things under his feet. You know when it says he put all things under his feet? You know, we're, ruling, we're going to rule and reign with him. And, you know, when should that start? Now, is Christ in us? Is he ruling and reigning over us? And if he is, are we reigning with him right where we are no matter what? Mm-hmm. We're ruling and reigning. But did you know we're going to rule and reign over angels? How about that one? That's right. We're going to rule and reign over angels. This is uh, 1 Corinthians 6, verse 1, and, verse, and, and to 3. Dare any of you having a matter against another, this is the context of Christians, by the way. Dare any of you having a matter against another go to the law before the unjust. In other words, use someone in the world to make things right between two believers. Before the unjust, those that are outside of Christ, and not before those saints that are in Christ. 
Do you not know that the saints, all of us in Christ, will judge the world? And the world will be judged. Government, millennial reign's talking about too, by the way, and I believe all through eternity, so we can understand the scriptures properly, right? Right? That's what you're going to (laughs) do. You're going to judge the whole, all of humanity in Christ, under him, but with him. And, and if the world will be judged by you, all of humanity, are you unworthy to judge the smallest matters? In other words, apart from Christ. Should I make a judgment apart from him? I, never mind about never mind the unsaved. How about the, the born again, those that are in Christ? I'm going to make a judgment? Hmm. In the smallest matter? I mean, is anything too small? For God? Is any sin too small? Is that knowing anything and doing it right too small? I mean, in anything? Or should I despise the day of small things in Zechariah 4.10? Know you not that we will judge angels? That means we're all over them. How much more things that pertain to this life? What's he training us to do right now? Reign with him right now. He's training us. Why? Because for all eternity, we're going to rule and reign with him. But it's very personal and it's very intimate. Psalm the 8th chapter, back to Psalm verse 8. What is man that you're mindful of him, that you set your mind on him, the son of man that you actually visit him? And how did he do that? In the most glorious way, by Christ putting on humanity in John 1 verse 14. You made, made him a little lower than the angels. I want you to see that. You made him, man, a little lower than the angels and has crowned him with glory and honor. How should I interpret that? You want to know how to interpret that? I'm going to have to read another scripture, though. Is that all right? Okay. Then I will. Okay? Now here. Now you have to go to Hebrews, the second chapter. We're not going to go all the way there, but we're going to start. We're going to just go there a little bit, right? So here's Hebrews, the second chapter, verse 6. But in a certain place testified, this is Hebrews 2, 6. What is man that you're mindful of? I mean, is he talking about Psalm that we just read? Psalm 8? Yes. Okay. You made him a little lower than the angels. Now, can I understand the interpretation of Psalm 8 if I don't have Hebrews? No, not properly. And if I can't do it, I'm going to rely on the grace of God, right? Like I have to every second by the grace of God, right? What is man that you're mindful of him, the son of man that you visit him? You made him a little lower. For a little time, it says here in this instance, by the way. Not in the instance of Psalm 8. You and me. Yet. (laughs) You made him a little lower than the angels for a little time. You crowned him with glory and honor and did set him over the works of your hands. You have put all things in subjection under his feet. Ephesians chapter 1, 20 to 23. Feet, remember that. Feet shod in Ephesians 6, 15 with the gospel of the preparation of peace. Right? You, have put, you have put what? All things in subjection unto his feet. How many? What did he not create? Who did he not create in him? <laughs> okay. For in that he put all in subjection unto him, he left nothing that is not put unto him. 
I don't know. Does that mean our little circumstances and situations? Mm-hmm. Right. He left nothing that is not put unto him. But now we see not yet all things put unto him. But boy, we're going to. Oh, we will. But in the meantime, we can trust him, right? For everything. Because, you know, all things are in subjection to him, right? But we see Jesus, what's most important? To see all things? To see all things? Is that the most important thing about us? No. To see who? Jesus. Who was made a little lower for the angel, a little lower than the angels. Oh, I wonder who he was really talking about in the eighth psalm. Very interesting. But we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels. For a specific time, this is what the Greek says, for a specific time, for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor. Didn't we read that in Psalm 8? Eh? You crowned him with glory and honor. Mm -hmm. He placed Adam there. Could he wear that crown? Did he? No, but who did? A lamb would come. In Revelations 13, verse 8, the lamb slain before the foundation of the earth, who actually, by the way, finished it, you know. I mean, God didn't have a plan. Jesus just came and he did things willy-nilly, you know. Now, it was before, before anything, anything material was created, before an angel or man was ever created, God's plan had to do with himself, and that had to do with you and I individually, and that's based on Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 3. The works were finished. From what? The foundation of the earth. So if I don't trust God, then will I function in my works? <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> oh boy. Interesting. Crowned with what? With glory and honor that he, by the grace of Almighty God, should taste death for every man. What was that? What does that mean? Did he know, was he no longer, was, did he become extinct? Or what, did he taste separation from God so that none of us would have to? And he did. Mm -hmm. What am I like in my own thoughts that aren't his? I live separated from him. Okay, and there's where all our plans and everything that we know based upon a handful of years of the word that we have. <laughs> now we have enough counsel. Mm-mm. Nope, mm, that's 1 Timothy 3, 6. Still young, neophyte, novice. Novice. Right? And we need to be careful. Young people need to be very, very careful. Newly taught need to be extremely careful. We all do. There's no question about that. Okay, we, we all do. Because even the angels didn't dare bring a railing accusation against Michael, against Satan in Jude verse 9 because of his power and authority. We don't have any unless we're submitted to him. But make no mistake about it. We need to function in our proper place so that we don't give place in Ephesians 4, verse 27, to the devil. Okay, We don't give place. And yes, we're all in training here. And we become privy to certain things. But in no means does that become your counsel to counsel outside of your place. We'll make that crystal clear. Please. 
Okay, and I'll explain that after I'm done preaching. I will explain it clearly. Right. That he should taste separation from God every day. That's why it says in Psalm 22, verse 1, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That was prophetic. That was spoken in the Spirit of Christ. Finished in Matthew 27, verse 46. On the cross, when our sins were on him, and the Father had to separate himself from his humanity, you could never be separated in his deity. But he had to be separate from him, not because he became sin, because of our sins on him, but he became, in 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 21, the sin sacrifice. You see the difference? He didn't become sin. He did no sin. He didn't even have a sin nature. He had a human nature. He didn't have a sin nature as a result of the fall. He didn't take part of the fall. That's why the Holy Spirit moved on a 14-year-old peasant girl named Mary in Luke 1 verse 35 and formed the body of Jesus through blood that was separate from the mothers. And there is something about the blood as much as others want to do away with that too, by the way. But then you can go way over the other side too. You need to have a perfect balance through the scriptures and through precise teaching. And that's why I warn everybody, and God wants, wants everybody warned. This is where you're going to be fed. If you go out there, and I used to say it to, to the folks even way back in Florida in 1990s. They say, oh, Pastor, you know, we listen to all, Christian radio all day, all kinds of different people. Yeah, you're getting all kinds of different confusion too. That's right. That's like the Christian thing. Well, you know, that's my study. What's your study? I'm going to read through the Bible the whole year. Have fun with that one. See if it makes a lot of sense to you. See if God has gotten in there and, 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 and created that sense, which only he can do. Verse Hebrews 2.10, For it became him. It was everything about him. Okay, now we're talking about God. Everything he created. He's resting in the love of his Father in, in deity, the Trinity, in John 1, verse 1. There's nothing that can disturb or distract that affectionate love, exchange, embrace that they had. So we're required to believe, yes, it was, it was God in Christ, in his humanity, who never left the bosom of the Father in his deity. Well, that's why it says he's everywhere present. I don't know. I and mean, he inhabits eternity in Isaiah 57, verse 15. Why would that be so tough? Well, it might be because we don't have the full preponderance of the Scriptures through teaching. And don't, again, don't believe the lie, this is too much. No, it's not. It's just enough for God to give us what we need to get, and the rest is meant to humble us and keep us in a place of humility, all of us. Because none of us know anything like we ought to. That's 1 Corinthians 8, verse 2. For it became him for whom all are all things, and by whom are all things, to make the captain of their salvation complete through what? Plural. Sufferings, constant sufferings. You know, we tend to think that, that yeah, it was the 40, 40 days in the wilderness in Matthew, the fourth chapter, and Luke, the fourth chapter. We tend to think that there was suffering on the cross, which we can't even comprehend. I can't, I mean, just even the physical, if I understand crucifixion and how it was designed and what it, what it did to the individual. But the suffering of separation from his father and his humanity but even from the, from the day he was born. I mean, he was opposed and hated and afflicted. No, because he came into this world 
where Satan was ruling right now. About to end, though. Yippee. That means I'm happy in the Greek. For both he that sanctifies, both he that sanctifies sets apart. Did Jesus set himself apart in his humanity the whole time he walked the face of the earth? Well, of course that had to do with his humanity. That's why it says in John 8, verse 29, I always do those things that please him. And in Romans 15, verse 3. Did he have to learn obedience? Okay, now we're going to get into that this morning, okay? We're going to get into it. For both he, in Hebrews 2.11, both he that sanctifies, he set himself apart continually, and them that are sanctified in him are all what? One. Did you ever hear that one for all and all for one? Wouldn't that be great in a local assembly? And wouldn't that be great? Right, Ruya? Right now. <laughs> That's an interesting thing, isn't it? For, okay. For which cause he is not ashamed to call them what? Family, brethren, one. One family. Saying, I will declare your name unto my brethren. In the midst of the church will I sing praise unto you. That's something that we're going to be doing for all eternity with Christ. When we get there, we're going to rule and reign and thank him around his throne in Revelations chapter 5, 9 through 12. We're going to do that. But then he's going to put an end to all things in 1 Corinthians 15, 26, 27, and 28. Then he himself will be submitted. What that means is, is this. We'll all be singing God's praise. Pretty incredible. Pretty incredible. Just, just amazing. Saying, I will declare your name, your nature, in the midst of the church. That's us. It's not a building. Remember that. Well, I sing praise unto you. He's fulfilling Psalm 22, verse 22. And many parts of that were extremely prophetic. All of it was prophetic. Many parts of it he did fulfill with his voice on Calvary. No question about it. Now, here is Hebrews, the fifth chapter. Hebrews chapter 5. Verse 1, it says, For every high priest taken from among men is set, we say ordained, you wouldn't believe what the system wants to do with that now, which is completely, utterly not scriptural in the least amount. Okay, no one, no one goes somewhere and becomes a pastor. You're either born with that gift or not. That's Jeremiah 1.5, that's, that's Galatians 1 verse 15, and on and on and on it goes. Okay. God's not helping us to become something that his son, his son who, who gives the gifted men in Ephesians 4, 8, already did. <laughs> Let's get that one straight. Okay? Right. Is set for men in things pertaining to God that he may offer oh, geez, both gifts and sacrifices for sins. Who can have compassion on the ignorant? Now, is it bad to be ignorant? Because do we know everything like we ought to? What does it mean to be ignorant? I don't know. If you don't know, can you discern? You can't discern unless we're broken and have a proper experience. But the fact of the matter is, right, he has compassion on who? All of us. Because without him, we can do, in John 15, 5, nothing. 
and on them that are out of the way. Wouldn't that be interesting? Where do all our struggles come from, all our plans? You know, I'll tell you where they come. We're out of his way. Remember we said, way behind, way forward. And I ain't talking about particular locations. I'm talking about our thought life. I want to make that clear right now. That's crystal clear. And I, I mentioned it before. This is where I have peace, right here. Period. Done. Over. That's it. Okay. This is where I have my peace. Are out of the way, for that he himself also is, is compassed with infirmity, even those high priests that were that functioning in the work of Christ in the type. And by reason thereof, he ought, as for the people, so also for himself, <laughs> to offer for sins. Eh? That's why the pastor and the teacher's not your authority. Furthermore, we know from Job 32, 21 and 22, we don't, we don't give titles to men. That's why my name is Ed. It's not Pastor Ed. My name is Ed. And pastor's a, a functioning gift when it's attached to the head. But we don't give flattering titles to men because what it says in the original, in Job 32, verse 23, is because if I gave a title to men, that, then the enemy would use that to soon take me away from my true master. And that's Christ. But there's an order too, by the way. And God needs to have that established. Okay? So again... What do we see? To offer for sins. Look at verse 4. And no man takes this honor unto himself. That means any of these high priests, would they, would they take an honor in a position to have themselves glorified in front of everybody? Is that how a pastor teacher gift should operate? I don't know, Isaiah 42, verse 8, he will not share his glory with another. Mm -hmm. And please, I love preaching and teaching and, and giving counsel, but don't think you have enough counsel to counsel those that gave you the counsel. God does a great job with me. <laughs> does. We need to pray for him. Yes, I know. <laughs> Make sure when you pray, you give yourself to God and don't think that you're counseling me before God with your prayers. Okay? Why would I say that? I don't know, but God must know. I don't. <laughs> I promise. Okay? So also Christ glorified not himself. To be made a high priest. Well, no, but God made him one. The one. But he said unto him, you are my son. You're my son. My eternal son. In John 1.18, by the way. Let's read the scriptures correctly. Not in his humanity. Because yet, his humanity is this. Today have I begotten you. Uh, big difference. Today I've begotten you. As he said also in another place, you are a priest Psalm 110, verse 4, by the way, that's the other place. You are a priest after the order of Melchizedek. We don't have to get into that, you know. We can do that another time, Melchizedek and the type. 
who, listen, who in the days of his flesh, not like our fallen flesh, his body, his humanity, when he offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears unto him that was able to deliver him from death. What does that mean? Do we think that when he became the sin sacrifice on the cross and he had to enter not only spiritual death but physical death, would God leave him in the ground? Or would he answer his prayer? Because this is a prayer. And was it fulfilled? I don't know. Did Jesus rise from the dead? Well, read Matthew 28, 1 through 6. Read it. Read Acts 17, verse 31. He rose. And that's why we're going to rise with him in Romans chapter 8 and verse 11. Unto him that was able to save him from death and was heard in that he reverenced him. Though he were a son, now here's what I want to get to. Though he were a son, the son of God, he had to learn obedience. You mean God had to learn obedience? No. Christ and his humanity had to learn obedience. Why is that? He had to learn obedience, right, by the things which he suffered so that he would be complete. This is Hebrews 5 verse 9 in your Bibles. Being made complete, he became the author of what? Eternal salvation. All oh, the poor Pentecostals that fuse justification and sanctification. You can lose it and gain it. Lose it and gain it. Legalism works. <laughs> became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. Obedience. That's positional truth. Once we obey him, we're in Christ. How about experientially? Right? Called a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. Why did he have to learn obedience? Who has to learn obedience? You and I. Don't we? Don't we have to learn obedience? Why? We have to learn obedience. Why did he not have to learn obedience? In his, his deity, he didn't have to learn obedience, but how about in his humanity? Christ had to learn obedience. Why? Because God was in Christ. He never had to learn. He never had to learn obedience. Christ never had to. You know, in his deity, he never had to learn obedience. But to submit to his Father to be a sin sacrifice, he had to learn it. What was his obedience? Suffering, rejected, hated, loving, purity itself, feeling all of that, and not only that, everything that you and I went through. Okay, he took upon him. On Calvary. So everything he did here, he did for us. That's what it means when it says it became him in Hebrews 2.10. Because, you know, he had his father first in mind. In Genesis 22, verse 8, God, in providing for himself first, provides for us. That's why he can't fail. <laughs> That's why love never fails. In 1 Corinthians 13 and verse 8. Why? He never had to learn in his pre-incarnate state. Who created everything? Was God did the God, the Son of God, and by virtue of his his deity, become the Son of Man by virtue of being, of a whole new race of people? And did when God became a man, did he became become a man forever? He did, but he still had to learn some things, and he had to do it in place of us because of our what disobedience. 
And that's why it says in 2 Corinthians 10, verse 4, the weapons of our warfare don't have anything to do with us, are not carnal. They're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations in every high thing that what? Exalts itself against the knowledge of God. I don't know, does God know anything outside of who he is in his son and vice versa? And, right? Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, right? And having in a readiness to revenge all your disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Tell me what thing I can do with, without him. How many things can you and I do without him? Nothing. <laughs> Why did he have to learn it? We explain that. Why do I have to learn it? Why do I have to learn it? Is my learning different than his? Yeah, it's all about submission. It's all about receiving. It's all about giving my will over. It's all about obedience. Because I can't even experience the love that God loves me with apart from I'm obedient to God. And why does God want us to be obedient? Just because he wants to love us. <laughs> it has something to do with our will. And by the way, that's right here. That's right here. And it's great. Hey? You and I have to learn it because you and I have a wicked heart. <gasps> no, really? Yeah, we have the flesh in us, Romans 8, 9. That's right. The whole head is sick, Isaiah 1, 5, and 6. From the top to the little piggies is sick. The whole heart is deceitful, the mind, lead. Deceitful and desperately wicked. Jeremiah 17, 9, who can know it? The wound outside of receiving Christ and functioning in him in Jeremiah 30, verse 12, is incurable. God couldn't cure fallen you and me, so he crucified us in his son and gave us new life. And you get new life out of what? The death that Christ has accomplished and mine with him and yours with him. And we see that clearly. We have to because we have a wicked heart and a mind and emotions of will, self-consciousness and a conscience. And if I do have a wicked heart, how does that wicked heart operate? Through a wicked will, not given over. Right? That's right. Who fulfilled all the will of God? John 4, verse 34, he did. He finished it in John 19, 30. This is what makes it vital for those that haven't received Christ as their Savior. And you're not sure. You need to be sure. You should get with another Christian. I don't know who it is. I'm not thinking of anybody. But if you are unsure, you need to get with someone else and have them to help walk you through that so that you can have the assurance so that you can have a proper experience. But if you haven't done that, it's the most important thing. It, it's your eternity in God's presence in heaven or in hell. It's one of the two. And you're not going to cease to exist at death because death is not extinction. Not in any language is death extinction. It's separation. That's right. You don't want to live separated from him. Do we now? We do. Christ had to learn it because he was God over all. And therefore, obedience was new to him. Can you, can, who would do that but God? Come on. Read Romans 5, 6 through 10. Yeah. Who, who would do that other than God? Who would put up with us other than God? It's a miracle to me all the time. Did you know that? 
for me. Every I'm like, oh my God, huh? You didn't quit. <laughs> Why? And for God to quit on me, and I'm in a son, he'd have to quit on his son. And then he would have to quit on who he made to be his provision. <laughs> in Malachi 3.6, I'm the Lord your God. I change not. I don't change. So obedience was new to him. And it's new to me. Obedience is new to me continually. New to me. Because if I, my will's not submitted, I function as a disobedient creation. There is no question about it. That's how I'll function. And it was new to him because he was not a creation. His humanity was created by God, but he was deity, God himself, in that humanity. And we need to learn obedience, and we need to have, that's why we have a yoke in Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 to 30. We've shared the types before. The red heifer and type, which was the female offering, was spoke of submission, submissiveness to the will to God in that sense. But it had, didn't, it didn't, was to have no spot, no blemish. This is Numbers 19:2, no blemish, and no yoke had ever been around its neck. You know what? And are we his sheep? Right? And what are those four things that sheep can't do? What are those four things that sheep can't do? Does anyone remember? Yeah. Clean, guide, protect, and feed. Can't do either of those. And sheep need what? What does sheep need? And what are pastors and teachers? What kind of shepherds? Under, yes, under shepherds, the great shepherd that proceed from one shepherd. But notice the order. Right? You can see that in Ecclesiastes, the 12th chapter, verses 10 right through 13. The one shepherd, he's the one shepherd. He's the good shepherd, isn't he? Why? In John 10, 11 and 14, he's the good shepherd. Why is he the good shepherd? Because there's only good in God. And if I don't function in him, submit to his will, then I will, in Isaiah 5, verse 20, start to call evil good and good evil. I'll put bitter for sweet, sweet for bitter, light for darkness, and darkness for light. Because only good is in him. He's the great shepherd. He's the great shepherd of the sheep. That's Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 20. He's the great shepherd of the sheep. Of the sheep, right? One with us, of. He's the chief shepherd in 1 Peter 5, verse 4. There are under shepherds there in Ephesians 4, 11. And we see it all through the Bible. So how are we to be led? How does, well, how does God's order work? He leave us to our own? Nope. Shepherds. In local assembly, under shepherds that are submitted to the head so that we have clarity and purity of understanding. Boy, we're going to, I can't wait for the week coming up to get into these things. It's just going to be incredible. And I don't know if any has heard, and I, I'm not sure, but what we had on prayer, I forget what day that was. 
about prayer when we went into Ephesians the sixth chapter and Daniel the tenth chapter and so forth is very very key for us, for our local assembly. It's extremely key. And uh, there might have been some things that had to be edited, but that's not my fault because <laughs> I was the only one speaking, so it wasn't my fault. Someone made me do it. Okay, so let's pray. Father, we thank you and praise you for the word this morning, for your direction. Let, let us not be in haste this morning. Please, Father, let, let us not be in haste just to leave your presence immediately, but let us have fellowship around the reality of what you've given us this morning in this very little short time that you've given us. And was it worth it? Was it worth the preparation and the discipline uh, to come and to hear together? And thank you for your faithfulness. And we love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.